welcome to the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast number 351, or nearly at 352. Uh, when can we get ahead of ourselves? Dave, I'm going to ask you that in a bit. On the way, a magic day at Millwall, Nelson's revenge, and swanning back to Carra Road. My name is Michael Bailey. You're joining us here this Monday afternoon at Archant Towers, a sort of broom-covered meeting room at Archant Towers. We have Chief Norwich City Correspondent Paddy David. Hello there, Pat. Good afternoon, my man. And our corresponding colleague, the metrosexual Alan Partridge, which is, of course, now very topical, given he's back on our screens, Dave Freezer. I've had to explain what that means to my girlfriend now. Please tell me how you explained it to her. Uh, Well, as a previous woman in my life had christened me that excellent <laughs> that uh, wasn't uh, you know particularly easy conversation but she, she doesn't listen to this so never mind well that was awkward <laughs> fantastic okay well we'll save the explanation maybe for another day how are you anyway dave quick moving on are you right yeah i'm good i'm good i had a i had a very nice sunday nice nice relaxed roast film feet up that's how a sunday should be you're just rubbing it in now aren't you pat how was your sunday same as yours mate yeah. full of work and uh, did I watch a game yesterday? Remind me who was playing. It was that memorable. Yes, I did watch that game. Yeah, didn't really. I'd have been better off working. To be fair, <laughs> wasn't the best, was it? And that's what we have to look forward to. He says, counting his chickens. Yes, and, and, indeed. Well, as I was going to ask, how, how when can we get ahead of ourselves? But um, yeah, we're, we're going to well. We might miss the championship. We might get to enjoy the championship. Ipswich might be in the championship next year. Who knows? <laughs> Anything could happen. Uh, producer Tony's with us as well. That's your official title. Tony, how are you? I'm good. Um, I just oh. want to say that there definitely was some getting ahead of ourselves a bit earlier oh. <laughs> in terms of planning for next season. Oh, oh. <laughs> absolutely. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, the, the problem is we have to try and plan ahead of ourselves. And, you know, these things... Um, have to be done but we also ignore them because it's just planning and doesn't really count towards anything <laughs> so we'll write, write, um, write it off there there's definitely a feel to it in the Q&A at pinkin.com at lunchtime oh, wasn't there when everybody was sort of asking questions you know who are they going to buy who might be bought and everyone needs to be a little bit careful it's not done yet <laughs> well, on, on the flip side of that um, is it Matt Murphy Matt Murphy or Mark Murphy on BBC Radio Suffolk can't remember. I'm not sure, I'm afraid. I'll double check. But um, he had a poster of The Great Escape with um, Paul Lambert's face on a horse or, or, or a guy riding a horse. He wasn't actually, <laughs> his face wasn't actually on the horse. Bowser. Bowser, <laughs> Bowser the dog. Yeah, he was probably he lurking like in the background. Um, and he, he um, announced that he was um, calling off The Great Escape. So okay. there we go. So uh, maybe just flip that ahead um, and, and get away from all our promotion talk. Anyway. Before we get stuck into the proper stuff, although we've done quite a lot of it already, remember you can get in touch with us here to share your thoughts, set our agenda, just send an email to thepinken at archant.co.uk or get in touch via all the usual social media channels via the Pinkins or of course our own ones. And make sure you don't miss a single podcast between now and the end of the season by subscribing. All the details are at pinken.com slash podcast. Right. As is now customary, a wonderful tradition set upon us by Paddy Davitt. It's going to be continued for today by Tony Thrussell. It is, of course, Football School, the amazing quiz book. I mean, the amazing quiz book is probably overselling it. However, there's some great World Cup trivia. And I think, Tony, you're going to set us our question this week. This is one for all the England fans. (laughs) Not really. Um, why did Argentina coach Diego Maradona grow a beard before the 2010 World Cup? 
any well, ideas before I give you the well, answers? Well, um, I remember Chris Hewton growing a goatee while he was Norwich manager for once, and me obviously wearing a beard myself. I was like, oh, nice, nice, uh, nice goatee, Chris. He said, oh, I'm trying not to do an impression of Chris Hewton, but he said, oh, yeah, thank you. I've got a cold sore. So, um, and I was like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, so there we go. Did, did he have a cold sore? Um, no, but one of the answers is this. A, his dog bit his mouth and he wanted to cover the scar. B, same, same difference. Take that. Same thing. Beards bring good luck in Argentina. C, his chin was cold. <laughs> <laughs> or D, a bit out there, he was inspired by former US President Abraham Lincoln, who had a beard. <laughs> he did have a beard. I appreciate the uh, book for pointing that out. Um, well, Emmy Buendia hasn't got a beard, but then he is still basically about 12. I've never seen Messi with a beard either. Maybe he can't grow one, though. Oh, he's got a bit of a beard now. Yeah, yeah. Is he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Three months ago, he had yeah, right. full on one, didn't he? Oh, he obviously felt he need, needed one at that point. So, And obviously, uh, Otamendi, he has a fantastic beard. But anyway. Hmm. Don't watch much Spanish. No, no, no. How do I? It's not on telly. Oh, no, it is on telly again now, isn't it? Because ITV just um, bought the rights. Oh, yes, right. he does have a beard. Tony's just showing David a picture of Messi with his beard in an Argentina oh. shirt, which didn't really do him much good at the last yeah. World Cup. I think that one's fake. <laughs> that's a massive beard. That, that's a uh, rag and bone man's beard on <laughs> Lionel Messi, isn't it? Freaky blinders. <laughs> Nothing wrong with having a beard like that. Yeah, let's see. That's good work. He's quite a stylish man, actually, isn't he? Anyway, um, well, we don't, we're not sure. Pad, what are you reckoning? You got, you got it last week. You knew it last week. Oh, that's that's difficult. I'd, I'm not sure. I would say, I'm going to say Wild Abe Lincoln because he's a maverick or Maradona. <laughs> I do love, well, we won't give the answer now. I do love the idea of it being Abraham Lincoln that we could see Diego Maradona doing it. Uh, okay, well, as, is, as we normally do, we will give you the answer to that fantastic question set by Tony uh, in the Pinkin Norwich City podcast Extra Time, which, of course, you can watch exclusively on the Pinkin app. You can watch it. Uh, if you haven't downloaded the app, I strongly recommend you do. It had its best month in terms of uh, in terms of engagement I think last month did it well it certainly did in terms of videos so you know get on it get uh, on it we're having a discussion on metrics <laughs> this has gone a bit off on a tangent I know I'm trying to put off the promotion talk that's the problem um, if you haven't downloaded it already of course just search Pinkin that's two words Pink Un in either Google Play or the App Store Okay, almost seven minutes in. I've put it off long enough. We're going to have to talk about it. Uh, That was the week that was. Norwich went to Millwall. They won 3-1. And I think, Paddy, in fairness to Norwich, they they really did show on Saturday why it's going to be so hard stopping them because there were so many facets to that performance. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Contrast that with Bolton, which was a walk in the park. And really, that was just a case of how many. But Millwall... Well, at 1-1, one, one, you, you couldn't have called it for me. And if anything, Millwall were in the ascendancy that 15, 20 minutes after half-time. But, um, you know, you just can't talk highly enough about the collective character and resolve to resist what Millwall were trying to do. But then you flip it and the quality, uh, the second goal, the third goal, third goal particularly, just um, starts with cruel ends with Pookie in about three passes, bang. And as Neil Harris himself said, the Millwall manager... Um, that's why really a game that didn't have a lot in in many facets was decided in Norwich's favour the top teams in the division are clinical and ruthless and Norwich certainly have that you look at the goals for column um, look at Pukki's column individually it's uh, it's what is getting them potentially into a position where they will 
be promoted um, because it's not enough just to have the quality. We're looking at the pink and pull out in today's EDP evening news and I touched on this it's not enough just to say well aren't they beautiful on the eye and how good they are going forward they also need to have the clearing balls off lines throwing yourself in the way of shots and we saw that graphically illustrated at the den it was a complete performance in the sense of when they didn't have the ball they resisted when they did have it they were ruthless so for me it was top top draw stuff from Norwich yeah indeed all over the pitch and you know say for example Tim Quill sometimes people will call him the weak link weak link he was he was outstanding and made a, a really good save albeit a, a 3-1 I think at the time at the time he did the, the third goal Dave I, I love watching the third goal I know Hernandez's turn Emi Buendia's pass again two more assists on, on Saturday but, and I, I've said it on social media Team of Pookie's first touch to just take it away from the defender and open up the angle and it's curious because I, initially I thought he'd, he'd sort of hit it to the right hand post and it had gone in off there from the way it sort of ended up in the net but actually I've seen an angle from behind the goal where it basically kind of went over Archer so it was, it was it's so funny how angles look different when you know um, you, you see goals from different angles of course but uh, a wonderful piece of football that, that accompanied and complemented the rest of the work that Norwich did it was it was a class goal class finish he made Jake Cooper look like a, uh, a cart horse in that moment because there was no chance he could keep up with him and it was that's kind of the football intelligence which is uh, throughout the squad I think that's something that Marcus Steepman in particular has reads the game incredibly well he t- tends to react to the ball quicker than opponents and I think you can pretty much say that for Pookie as well and yeah this this was a performance that was you, you know laced with, with character as much as anything because it really was a difficult awkward game I thought, I thought it was almost like without meaning to be sort of disrespectful to Millwall it was like an FA Cup game between a Premier League team and a lower league team they were set up to be direct to try and cause problems in a more traditional way Norwich knew that their game was going to be the technical side of things that's what they um, specialise in but if they didn't match Millwall physically in a game like that as they found all too well in August 2017 in the early stages of Daniel's uh, Daniel Farker's career here then it doesn't matter how good you are technically because you'll just get overwhelmed but they, they stood up to that and, and the header from Zimmerman you know really encapsulated that they were capable of that physical side of things as well Norwich tend to be really good throughout the 90 minutes but um, I did notice when I was looking at a couple of things yesterday, Paddy, their record in between the 41st and 50th minute, they've scored once and conceded seven all season. So effectively, they're a bit ropey either side of half-time. And likewise, Neil Harris effectively said, look, this lot will be a top team if they just tighten up a bit. So is that... I mean, how much of an issue is that now we're going into such a late part of the season? I mean, I guess there's probably, I would say, there's there's other things that maybe count more in terms of your belief and your mental strength and things like that but how do you see it? It's an issue for me yeah because 45 goals conceded is is not good enough really in the top end of the pitch and obviously now we're getting into levels of debate where you could be accused of splitting hairs but the reality is they won't score in multiples and two and three down the stretch there will be a game or two where it's nil-nil going into the closing stages can they A get, get their noses in front and then cling on and it won't be pretty, and we, we certainly saw that that side of Norwich's game on Saturday. Yeah, they have conceded too many goals, but you know, is that the price to pay for a, a philosophy and a, and a template and quality attacking players? 
that you are going to be a little bit open and it isn't that isn't a debate that focuses purely on two centre backs two full backs and a keeper that is the guys in front of them the whole mindset in terms of the team what they do out of possession so it's too simplistic to say it's get closer out uh, get closer in take Godfrey out as, as one or two was suggesting on the pink and Q&A at lunchtime but ultimately I think the reality is you would rather had it that way around than uh, they were tight defensively. You touched on Chris Hewton. Well, that was his f- formate, uh, f- formula at Norwich, wasn't it? Very hard to beat, but they didn't offer a lot going forward. And that was an enduring sense of frustration for all concerned. So I'd rather the ledger or the or the dial ticked in this direction. But if you're asking me down the stretch, do they need to be better defensively? Yes, I would say they do, because there will be more than one or two games where what they do defensively is far more important than what they do offensively. And I know you want to be tighter defensively, but 26 plus 26 goal difference is pretty good. And it certainly, from our point of view and Fran's point of view, it makes it more entertaining. I mean, I'm sure if you asked a Middlesbrough fan, they have scored 38 goals, Norwich has scored 71, and they've conceded 24, Norwich conceded 45. So they've scored nearly half as many and conceded nearly half as many, but they're having a far, far more boring campaign, aren't they? So as long as Norwich keep winning, I don't think we have to. Yeah, we don't have to worry, do we? I mean, it's it's okay to this point. Yeah, that that formula has has gotten to this position quite rightly, but it's going to be tight. It's going to be tense. It's going to be taut down the stretch, and uh, you know, I'd almost put to one side what we've seen from this team up to this point. Now it's almost literally just however you do it as they proved here however you do it win the game and I don't think they will they will continue to because inevitably when that line is so tantalisingly close players will start to tense up and start to think about we're in the Premier League already you know and then the expectation as much as Farker keeps talking about there's no pressure on us we weren't expected to be there you're there now and the pressure and expectation will continue to build so I think they do need to be far tighter defensively but as I say, you know, we're probably getting to a level of debate which is <laughs> is nice to, to be able to, to look at the top of the table and to be talking about where Norwich can improve. But yeah. that is certainly one area they do need to improve for me. Paddy has uh, spoken as someone who watched Liverpool play at Everton uh, yesterday, most definitely. Are you, are you glad you picked up on the Middlesbrough goals? Because well, Virgil van Dijk in that back line, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, and the rest of Europe. Um, Middlesbrough have actually scored seven goals fewer than Norwich have conceded, <laughs> which is quite a remarkable <laughs> stat when you compare it uh, compare it to everything too. Um, well, yeah, we might not like this next question then, Paddy, but um, I mean, it has been a lot of talk on social media in terms of where Norwich are now. I guess I'm likening it, likening it to when I ran the London Marathon, um, where basically I took it as when I got to 20 miles, that was halfway because the last six were going to be so hard and I guess you could argue maybe 36 games is halfway in the season let's see how you can dish out with the final 10 some people on social media don't want to discuss how many wins how many points it's going to take for Norwich to go up because they don't want to make losing acceptable which is you know I can definitely see that but likewise that's kind of what we're paid to do isn't it we want to work out how, how many points it will take what Norwich need to do what would do it for you do you reckon well I mean you've you've looked into this haven't you you've said 90 points for quite a few weeks so if that's what it's going to take then what are they on now 69 so 7 wins from 11 I've yeah. worked that out but obviously caveated with and we'll get into this tonight we're saying Monday afternoon there's a massive game in the context of the top end of the table the Sheffield Derby 
and I think Leeds play Sheffield don't they in, in a week or two's time so it's only one part of the equation it's what Norwich need to do vis-a-vis what could happen around them and really now you would feel West Brom nine points difference Middlesbrough similar albeit with a game in hand it's almost Norwich Leeds Sheffield United have detached themselves and it's two from three in terms of the, the race for the, for the automatics so in that context what happens with Sheffield United this evening is very important and I think ultimately if, if they're not winning a game at Hillsborough tonight Norwich turns Swansea over then it might not need 90 you know it's very difficult to sort of sit here and say they need an X but if that's the historical benchmark then 21 points will do it exactly no no one in the last 11 seasons hasn't reached uh, it's take it 90 would have guaranteed you uh, a top two finish basically in the last 11 seasons but of course less than that and it's funny going through the division uh, the, through the seasons because some of them there's a team I've written them all down I haven't got them on hand but I think there was a team who won the title with under 80 points one year and you're like that's ridiculous really? yeah they hadn't even changed the rules or anything, but there we go. Likewise, teams have missed out with 89, so um, it's all the uh, swings and roundabouts. Dave, do you want to have a, have a go at a, a prediction for tonight? Uh, I think Wednesday I'll win tonight. Um, yeah, I think Bruce will do it. He's got that little I think bit Tony of... Tony scoffed at that, by the way. <laughs> I think he's got that bit of new manager bounce. United have been performing above their capabilities. They, they have been good, really good. They, uh, Chris Wilder has drained everything out of that squad, but I don't think they can com- continue at the current rate. Um, even a draw would be good from Norwich's point of view, wouldn't it? So, um, come on, Brucey. But um, <laughs> oh, Max Aaron's can put in a call as well to his cousin. Got Rolando there. Got Jordan Rhodes. He can put in a call as well. So, because his dad or uncle is on the coaching staff, isn't he? So, call He's in. Still a Wednesday player officially. <laughs> and that, yeah, he does know. Gary Hooper, get on the phone to him. Um, yeah, call from his, in from his injury bed. <laughs> <laughs> call in all, all the favours that uh, that you need to call in because, um, yeah, it, it, them not winning tonight would be massive and yeah 21 points for me um, all good six wins three draws two defeats from 11 games I think that sounds pretty realistic of where Norwich are at the moment um, and these next three games do look very winnable on paper Swansea and the Hull at home although you know but their seasons are both still going they both I know maybe Swansea it's a bit of an ask but playoffs are still just about a life for both of them and then Rotherham away we know is going to be another one of those really awkward away games just like Saturday was um, so if you can get seven points from them and Sheffield United um, drop some in the meantime then I think Norwich and Leeds will be well on course for that top, top two and uh, as far as I'm concerned they are the two best teams in the division and I think if Norwich did hit 90 points that probably would get them the title as well <laughs> I think we can officially get ahead of ourselves um, I have gone through the last 11 fixtures and worked out which ones I think Norwich would possibly trip up over there's no way I'm having that conversation here though So gongs of the week as usual let's rattle through these shall we our big Duncan Forbes hero of the week how are our nominations, gentlemen? Well, in the interest of brevity, I'll couple hero and villain together. Uh, Emi Buendia <laughs> made it quite clear during the game. I thought that was a very naive decision to give the ball away in the move that led to the Millwall's equaliser. And to be fair, put that to Farker and he said, yeah, he had to have a word with him at half-time. But on the plus side of the ledger, again, much as we're splitting hairs about, well, it would be nice if Norwich could tighten up, 
you're splitting hairs with that man because what he showed in the second half was was perfect recompense for his error and that was the ball for Zimmerman from the corner and then the pass as we discussed threaded for Pukki um, you know you forget how young he is and that he's actually just adapting to English football as well which was a major cultural shift for him at the raw material as, as I wrote in the pointers is vast but he does if he's, if we're going to judge him for what he could become then he does need to tighten up in one or two areas but we'll put that down and we've seen it with two penalty concessions as well it's almost like an eagerness um, to rectify areas that gets him into a little bit of trouble so yeah Tom firmly in cheek but hero and villain Mr Emi Buendia and in fairness for for the player he is he doesn't have to put in a lot of tackles does it I mean he's, he does it all mm. touche how about you uh, Dave yeah he trapped that nicely um, a couple of times didn't he Buendia um, yeah I mean Zimmerman for that header is, is up there but Godfrey took on almost a bit of a Terry Butcher role didn't he he uh, <laughs> bleeding forehead bandage around there um, that was very important the goal line block from him what three minutes in um, when you know Mill really tried to batter Norwich at the start of the game and you could almost feel sort of 10-15 minutes in that that big atmosphere started to deflate a little bit and they started to think oh we haven't scored the goal we need now and that and they could see that Norwich were going into it of course what was it 16th minute Stevenman scores the goal and uh, and things unfold from there so that was that was important and I just think what a learning experience it was for him up against Steve Morrison um, that's a, considering that this is a guy that only a few months ago we were saying you know is he a centre back can he handle it if you can handle the intensity of a battle at the den when they are fighting for their lives then um, that says a lot for your character I have to be honest most people will say and it generally is a good time to score just before half time I thought it was an awful time for Millwall because had they had another 10 minutes at Norwich they probably could have taken advantage but the fact they sort of went in again they had to restart again um, yeah and it's a great point with Christoph Zimmerman I thought he um, by all accounts had a really tough week of it personally um, and I think we've all seen the pictures it clearly meant a lot to him both him and Ben Godfrey outstanding centre-back partnership they, I think Ben Godfrey's played every minute of championship action since he was um, parachuted in um, after Tim Close's uh, injury in the warm-up at home to Bolton and he you know, probably wasn't even deemed by me as much as anyone as a centre-back up until that point so it's just quite remarkable um, how about Villains uh, Kevin Muscats of the week perfectly named I'll, I'll go first because I've got the marketeers because it's the marketeers fault that Norwich's um, third strip was called neon green and probably the marketeers fault that uh, Jordan Archer rocked up in a fluorescent yellow goalkeeper shirt that when they were both actually side by side against each other on the pitch look exactly the same yes I do not understand I do not understand I cannot get my head around this how no official looked at it and went well, you know what? They're actually wearing the same kit, the Millwall goalkeeper and Norwich's outfield players. It's joke stuff. And then I, I think I saw Chris Gorham posted a, a, a tweet um, and a link to a story where Sheffield Wednesday actually had to play in their home kit at Millwall. So both sides were playing in, in blue, effectively. But, Strange. You know, so maybe the referees are just having one, but I don't get that at all. Presumably if Norwich were worried by it, they would have insisted that he changed but um, maybe they would just thought yeah we're going to win anyway <laughs> whatever wear what you want wear multicoloured if you want Jordan um, my villains will be uh, Ipswich fans for a pretty disgraceful chanting towards Nelson Oliveira um, he stood on your face he stood on your face Tyrone Mings he stood on your face or stamped on your face I think actually they said um, which given how horrible Nelson's 
injuries were, I think that's pretty disgraceful. So fair play to him for giving a bit back to him when he scored a, a very helpful goal. <laughs> Can I just say that, yeah, all, all of that taken on board. But it was really funny that he was giving it the big in front of the stand. One of the fans tried to throw a ball at yeah. him and still missed. <laughs> and apparently he was already booked as well, so he did live quite dangerously. I mean, um, I've had a look at the sort of definition and it, I guess the referee felt he didn't step over the mark because he didn't go right up to the crowd he, it was only a sort of quick fist pump and a bit of waving his arms around it wasn't that dramatic um, I think he probably realised I should stop pretty quickly but yeah I, I, regardless of football and stuff I think that's pretty poor form from any fans to be teasing someone who's just had to have surgery on his face and a badly broken nose from what was a pretty horrible incident to watch for anyone that saw the video it was indeed Nelson's revenge um, of course the Ipswich fans would boo a Norwich player anyway and, and Nelson is still one of those but it was uh, two years ago wasn't it when uh, Nelson launched into his uh, Norwich being a, a better club which I think um, hit home they didn't like that and he didn't actually play in the derby that followed those comments uh, so I think that was probably his first outing it was on the Cameron bench wasn't because I remember him warming up and they yeah. booed him didn't yeah. they yeah. they disappeared for the second half <laughs> but there we go um, and you've done yours haven't you Paddy so how about our Simeon Jackson moment of the week what um, oh go on well we're looking at it two three at a pink and Zimmerman I reckon he's about nine foot off the ground now <laughs> when, the, when his head meets that ball <laughs> I can't think of a better header I've seen live for many a season it was phenomenal the, the technique the desire to get on that ball but as I say to meet that ball he's at least not because I mean he's a big lad and he's three or four feet off the ground to, the, the athleticism to do that I mean you're not stopping that whether you're in a multicoloured top or not um so that for me and, and we've already spoken a little bit about around the context of what it meant to him you saw the celebration saw the emotion at the final whistle so after a very difficult week to to, uh, to produce that uh, that's what it's all about sport at its purest form love it and what a shout Dave yeah I've got to agree really um, he's out Millwalled Millwall there isn't he he's <laughs> g- giving them a taste of his own medicine and, and the picture that we're looking at on 2-3 of the pink and is Steve Morrison and Jake Cooper left in his wake two guys who are excellent in the air at championship level um, that was one I mean obviously we've heard from Daniel that he's had some personal issues in the background so whatever they are this one felt like it sort of it's come from the heart wasn't it he really really gave that everything and it was a great moment and you know he I think he sort of pointed to the sky and stuff didn't he afterwards and it clearly was one that meant a lot to him because you could see the, the emotion sort of boiling over a bit for him at the end of the game um, but yeah that, that captain's armband is uh, has fitted very nicely on his arm and uh, I th- well he's one man that you certainly wouldn't uh, that Norwich fans would have in their team pretty quickly wouldn't they at the moment Absolutely, well said. Uh, I did just want to touch on Ben Godfrey. Remember he's saying about him wearing his head bandage? I spoke to him after the game. I mean, that cut, he'll be all right. I think he'll survive it. I think he'll survive it. But, you know, safety first. Everyone wants a bloodied headband around the head <laughs> around the head really and that just gives added emphasis for look how good and look how look how brave I am remember the days of Gary O'Neill's lucky headband huh. yeah yeah they were heady days weren't they Okay, let's go to Mailbag, the discussions led by your emails, tweets and other interaction. Uh, you can email those to us, thepinkandarchant.co.uk or get in touch, of course, via social media. I've got a few here on Twitter, so let's go through these, shall we? Uh, Joe Hinchcliffe. Hi, gents. Waving hand. I'm intrigued by Tamer Pukki's stardom in Finland. Are you able to gauge just how much of a big deal he is? I recently saw a Finnish sports broadcaster who seemingly built their schedule around Norwich fixtures. 
a commercial opportunity for Mr. Kensel, although maybe for us as well. But um, hmm. there you go. Is he a big no? Tony, you've actually been to Finland. Are you the only one here who's been to Finland? Yeah, I haven't. No, no one else has. Um, I'll be honest, when I was there, I didn't know much about oh. him. But interestingly, when he signed for Norwich, the guys I worked with obviously follow it and they messaged me straight away asking like if he would be starting an origin and I actually said because I didn't know too much that he, because of the struggles that they had at the time Oliveira that he might not be starting but how wrong was I <laughs> indeed and we actually had an interesting discussion about where where Timu I'm sure he would have been brought in to play a few positions but whether because he started the season not playing up top on his own didn't he, didn't he Paddy he was, he was in that three behind um, Jordan effectively so you've touched the, that's the man clearly you don't go and bring Jordan Rhodes in if, if he's not going to be your main man so I don't think he was earmarked let's be probably honest if you've got Webb around his table he would say so, yeah well we thought potentially but again it's that um, intangible when you bring a player in we talked about Buendia from, from overseas that will they adapt and acclimatise we saw with Steeperman for example he didn't he didn't really hit the ground running last season so it was entirely plausible that Pookie may have taken a season or two to get up to speed and Rhodes was going to be your main man guy who knows the championship inside out so boy has he taken his chance yeah I mean there was one or two cup outings where he he got himself central areas and scored a goal or two and I think it, for me it was QPR away I think that was the day um, Steve McLaren might disagree in terms of the quality of his finish that day but that was a forward centre forward playing in his right position and um, and he hasn't looked back and it's credit to him but funny enough just my two pen on that in terms of how big he is in Finland when I spoke to the club um, we had a bit of a sit down with Tim Krull a couple of weeks back there and um, just talking in general terms about players and media requests apparently that man could do media every day of the week from Finnish media they're absolutely all over him now I think um, because he you know potentially he's in the Premier League and I can't think of too many other if any current Finnish players playing in the Premier League so globally he is he is the star man I think Tony, you bumped into some Finnish fans on Saturday. Yeah, didn't you? They actually said there's one other Finn um, in Tottenham's academy. Uh, do you remember Tainio from uh, from about ten years ago? His son, I think, is in Tottenham's academy. So, so yeah, Puki will be the main man next year. The Bristol City goalkeeper, as well as Nicky Mayempa, he's but he's not even uh, he doesn't really play for Finland. He's second or third choice, isn't he? Because. Um, I remember speaking to Pookie at um, the James Paget Hospital before Christmas when him and a few of the other players were delivering presents to, to sick kids. Um, that uh, that was just before the Bristol City away game, so he was saying that day that he wanted to uh, score, but he didn't score against Bristol City, did he? So um, he didn't <laughs> manage that one. Um, I I remembered uh, while you were talking there, he he was nominated for the Finnish Sports Personality of the Year, wasn't he? Yes. Um, and I just thought I never along had, with about uh, seventy other people, he reckoned. Yeah, uh, he might have been being a modest. Well, this yeah. is very Kim, Kimmy. Um, Kimmy, Kimmy must have won that. I think this is the correct uh, result, but I'm, I'm only going by Wikipedia here. This is all I can find. But it's got the 2018 winner was a Nordic skier called Levo Niskanen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the same one that Pookie was nominated for. So yes, he clearly is a big name, and if he gets into the Premier League, then it's going to be um, it's going to be big time for him but it's he's also a big name in terms of Norwich City because 24 league goals he's now too short of the most that any player has managed in the second tier for Norwich um, Terry Olcock and Ron Davies both managed 26 in the second tier in the 60s 
but no one else has ever done better than that in the second tier. So if he scores three more goals in 11 games, he will be the best performing striker in the second tier of English football in Norwich City history. In his first season at the club, he will quite literally have written his name into the history books. Almost swore then. Uh, what a moment uh, the bit I love as well Tony with the, the Finnish fans you spoke to one of the guys said it was Tamey who got him his tickets wasn't it or he, you know, he knows yeah. his dad which I love yeah well as he got off the coach one of the guys shouted Timu and he was like this so uh, they obviously didn't know each other but I wouldn't be surprised if they do you should probably just explain what you did that was a thumbs up yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't anything more offensive <laughs> no he, he acknowledged with a thumb <laughs> what? A thumb. And as we know, Tamu's uh, dad liked a sauna from when I spoke we to him know at the that hospital. Did. Oh, yeah. yeah. I asked, what would Christmas uh, involve? And uh, he said, well, me and dad would probably have a sauna at some point on Christmas Day. So that's how they do Christmas in Finland. Everyone has a sauna in uh, Finland. <laughs> That's the dream. Let's bring that. Let's bring that. Well. Yes, exactly, Dave. Next uh, next winter, let's do it. Okay, what else have we got? Um, EV Puzzle or Kona Electric. Great names. Uh, presuming Norwich get promoted, what do um, Paddy, Dave, and me uh, think Norwich should do differently this time? Given money has been a concern for so long at Norwich, mm. and it came up in the in the Q and A, didn't it? I mean, because we we have a default at the moment that you know Norwich are probably going to sell one or two players at the end of the season to um, to balance their books to regenerate the squad because that's where the money gets created from effectively. But you know, does that change if they go up, Pad? I think it probably does. Yeah, I don't, because there's no you see the sums um, we can debate, but in the current broadcast deal, it's it's substantial amounts of revenue. Um, so why would there be any pressure to sell in terms of we need to balance a book? The, the flip side of that is that how much will they be able of that TV revenue to go out and spend? And that links into the question because, you know, clearly I think somebody said on the Q&A at lunchtime, for God's sake, don't do what they did the last time we're up there because they're still paying for those sins, i.e. the Nate wages of Nate Smith and Jarvis and one or two others. So... I don't think there's absolutely under Weber's watch no chance of that happening um, because he's had to clear up the mess so I think it'll be very much this is our philosophy this is our way we will continue along this path but just with maybe one or two astute signings to complement what is a young group of players slash players who haven't played in the Premier League who will be desperate to prove that they do belong at that level so why why would you for argument's sake pick a club out Fulham why would you go and do what Fulham did which was completely dismantle what had got them into the Premier League in the first place and they're hurtling back to the Championship at a rate of knots um, so basically how Fulham have done it will be the complete opposite if Norwich get there that is for sure yeah I, I don't think don't want to sound like Daniel I don't want to go too deep with it just um, just yet because you know recreating next day <laughs> yeah. uh, they are not there yet uh, I just don't think the uh, I think everybody keeps talking about this stuff and it's just too soon to do it it's just tempting fate isn't it so uh, yeah very much I mean I think Fulham made 12 signings didn't they they spent big money 105 million and then, 105 million and then they weren't playing Kearney and Sessegnon who were their two best players last year and you know they completely lost that continuity if you look at Cardiff the way that Warnock's done it with all his experience I know they've not been pretty to watch but as we sit today they are still in with a fighting chance of staying up whereas Fulham and Huddersfield are dead in the water Uh, so you've maybe got to look at that and you've got to keep the unit tight but I suppose what could complicate matters is you know uh, if a big club comes in for for a Max or a a Emi Buendia Lewis whoever it is Godfrey then 
if they're going to offer you know 20 million plus a loan back even after being promoted that might be difficult to turn down because you know Max might say oh well if Arsenal want me just for pure example then and I can come back on loan then that's what I want to do so you know Stuart is no doubt going to have a difficult summer one way or the other but yeah I I don't sit well for instance the Jared Bowen link which has popped up in the sun Sun on Sunday so I think immediately we can pretty much disregard that as agents work because Norwich aren't going to have 15 million to spend on one player I, I think the last estimate was that promotion is worth 160 million isn't it if you, even if you stay out for one year because you'd get parachute payments for at least two years after that don't you so, so that's, yeah 100 million for the first season that yeah, you're there plus your parachute payments after, yeah. yeah but that's you know growing year on year anyway isn't it so it's it's clearly worth a huge amount of money but Norwich will know that if they have to yo-yo once or maybe even twice now because of the financial situation the club are in that's what they'll have to do to, to you've got to keep that long term view haven't you but you know if it happens if they get there and with this group of players I think that with Daniel Farker in charge and Stuart Webber to hopefully still bring in some creative transfers as he said I think they would have a good shot at staying up because they're not going to be a team that go up and park the bus they're going to go and have a go a bit like the Lambert first season 2011-12 when they still had all the momentum and Lambert still went for it and yes that means you're going to get a few hidings away from home but at least you'll have some fun along the way rather than a Chris Hewton park the bus style way to survival which no one wants to do again it's a great answer for someone who didn't want to talk about it <laughs> well that day um, and oh, just I mean a point that lead you know Elliot Bennett I think Norwich signed for the Premier League from League One Brighton I think off the top of my head and Pilkington and, as well Pilkington. so people will have to be aware of that just to, just to maybe um, labour this point uh, Fulham spent 100, 105 million did you say Paddy certainly more than 100 million pounds that first season their first season their current season in the Premier League now is worth 100 million pounds but they will be paying a shed load extra in wages everyone will have got bonuses that have had to fork out they probably would have only had 70 million pounds free for transfer fees not including the wages they're then spending and tran- agents fees spending on Premier League players so I just think in terms of should it happen, and we're so fortunate and lucky that it happens, people need to realise that Norwich are you know, probably going to have a pot that is well under £50 million to spend, just because of where the money goes and where it comes from, and certainly in terms of the first summer. I think in terms of transfers, you've got to be looking at the, say, Sheffield United and Derby don't go up, whether they can then get Harry Wilson and Dean Henderson on loan from the big boys. They're the sort of moves that you know, could make a difference for Norwich next year. One more question, Darren Smith, uh, he says, is this the best football over a sustained period that you've seen us play ever? Um, I mean, I'll take first dabs. Uh, I would say that the football they were playing in the Premier League in the 90s was just phenomenal and, of course, at a very different level. But for me, this is the best football I've ever seen Norwich play in the second tier. I can't remember anything before uh, in the 80s and earlier because I I wasn't old enough, so I don't know what, um, you know... uh, Ken Bond's, Ken Brown side was playing, uh, or before that, and of course Ron Saunders and John Bond, and the way they um, and delivered exceptional football and gave Norwich their kind of attractive reputation, if you like. But um, for me, yes. Yeah, I mean the team of the early nineties played attacking football at the top level of English football, so I don't think a Norwich team has probably ever played as good football as that. But in terms of technical ability, I, I, I think this has got to be the best technically 
the, the team who's best technically because football has moved on, hasn't it? And, and it's even reached the championship now where there's a big overseas influence in the second tier of English football. So, you know, Lambert's team of 2011, Alex Neal's team that went back up, etc. They they were good attacking teams with the bit between their teeth. But, yeah, I think this is... This is the best style that we've seen from a Norwich team, even even better than the title winners of 2004, who, who of course, just had the best player in the division by a mile in Darren Huckabee. Yeah, no, I wouldn't disagree with any of what you've said there. Obviously, my reference is probably Worthy's teams onwards, but um, it's what floats your boat, because, you know, there was some plenty, <laughs> there was plenty of thrills under Lambert, dare I mention his name, in, <laughs> in those two promotion seasons. Um but if you like the style of football Farker has developed, then yeah, I, I, over a question that we're talking about sustained, yeah, we can always pick up, pick out one game or here or there, playoff final for me, that stands above anything else for what what it meant um, and how they played that day. But uh, sustained period, yeah, I think you'd probably have to say that's a fair comment. I still remember the Bolton fan and late in the second half, Norwich were playing the ball around beautifully, the Bolton fan in front of me shouting, boring! Brilliant. Okay, the week ahead, uh, we'll keep this pretty tight. I think we'll touch mostly on uh, Swansea and what's to come in the pink and Norwich City podcast extra time that we're about to film. So, um, but in terms of just a, a, a quick surmise, Paddy, um, you know, it, it was kind of a walk in the park, really, wasn't it, for Norwich in Swansea generally? Maybe it was a, a bit of a spell either side of half time, as we've already discussed, uh, which Norwich struggle with, but generally. And, and if Swansea are quite as accommodating this time, it might be quite straightforward again. Yeah, yeah, you just took the word out accommodating. They were so compliant that day. Um, you know, they tried to take Norwich on at their strength, which is a, which is a technically proficient midfield orientated game of football. You, you got no chance because Norwich have got better players in those areas of the pitch principally above on Moritz Leitner which we might get into in more depth on, on the extra time I think this might be the game to get him back in because he was he was metronomically excellent that day and set the tone for the way it was such a, a one-sided affair bar the flurry when they got a goal back but um, yeah I think Nor- Norwich this is this is a type of game if Norwich were wanting an opponent a little bit like Bolton they'd pick a type of Swansea I think who will have decent players clearly but uh if they're going to try and play a style of football Norwich play, then they're not. The table tells you they're not doing it as well. So you would think Norwich will have too much for them. And I think uh, that was the game that Moritz got um, clobbered and that took him out. Um, he's obviously had 45 minutes against Blackburn, but not really featured much since. So there we go. Uh, Dave will get your thoughts in the, uh, po- the extra time podcast if that's all right, um, and loads of other stuff to talk about, of course, in the Championship. Uh, we've got the Pink and Show on Wednesday at the Departure Lounge, which is on Prince of Wales Road. If you want to come down and join us for a coffee, you can do that. Um, you might have to pay for it yourself um, and of course you can follow the show live on all the usual channels and we will uh, be at Carrow Road on Friday night remember it's a Friday night kickoff for Swansea's visit 7.45pm it's uh, live on Sky but that doesn't mean you can't have your phone and your desktop and your iPad as your second screen as we bring you full live coverage and our thoughts pinkencom slash live and of course all the usual build up reaction and analysis afterwards any other business anyone? always Michael it's always Always other business. <laughs> I, think, I think the under-23s deserve a quick mention. Oh. One uh, away to Manchester United on Friday, yes. didn't they? Um, and the lad who scored at Forest, uh, Asen, uh, sorry, Gassan Ahadme, who they brought in in January from Spanish youth football, um, plucked from obscurity. But um, 
uh, a City fan who was at the game told me that he was almost a little bit Nelson Oliveira esque in in the way he played, and uh, it was <laughs> through his shirt at the manager when he scored. Yeah, he said the the good points, um, <laughs> but yeah, Adam Ida scored a penalty as well. Just about. I, to be fair, Man United, uh, I think some of their better twenty threes players were with the first team squad because they've got so many injuries. But regardless, if you play a Manchester United under twenty threes team, you know they will be very strong. So considering the season that the twenty threes have had, um, I thought that was quite a remarkable result. Really. And I found the highlights this morning and have a look at my Twitter account if you want to watch them as well. And the celebrations at the full time whistle are quite something. And Tom Scully celebrated like they just won a cup. I guess that's because he's a Liverpool boy. But um, yeah, they. Uh, I think that meant a lot to him. It had a very difficult season of, of it. I, I saw. Is it Ahadme? Is it Gassan Ahadme? Gassan yeah, Ahadme. Moroccan born. I saw the um, the quote or the, the story that the club put out when he um, when he signed, and there was a little line in there saying, "Oh, he's going to play for the 23s, but hopefully we'll join him up with the first team soon." And I thought, "Okay, you're saying that. Let's see how it plans out." Uh, anyway, all right. Well, that's thanks for your, any other business, Dave. As always, um, and we're done. I think we'll wrap it all up. Uh, thanks, of course, to everyone for listening. Uh, it's much appreciated, and it's goodbye from the guys. Bye, Tony. Goodbye. Cheers, Pads. Adios. <laughs> Top man, Dave. Cheerio. Uh, and goodbye from me. Goodbye, everyone. Now, remember, Pinkin.com for all the latest Norwich City news, analysis, opinion, and transfer insight. We'll be back with you each and every Monday. So make sure you get in touch, get involved, because this is your podcast as much as it is ours. Uh, we'll answer that earlier quiz question. I think we've all forgotten it. And we'll talk a bit more about Swansea over in the Pink and Norwich City podcast. Extra time. Go get the Pinkin app if you want to watch that. Uh, until the next pod, here's to a seventh win from nine and the championship's top spot with just 10 to go. Bye, Zeke.